Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to White Wine Questions, the podcast that asks its guests to be thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a genuine reality TV success story, having turned a memorable stint on ITV's Love Island into a burgeoning career as a TV presenter, a documentary filmmaker, and a campaigner. After leaving Love Island in 2018, she soon found herself arm in arm with Made in Chelsea's Sam Thompson after sliding into his DMs. And the pair now live together, having bought their first home last year, which they're renovating from the ground up. She started a career in national government as a civil servant, and she's recently revisited her more serious side. In a series of powerful documentaries for BBC Three on rape culture, revenge porn, and one soon to be released on disordered eating. It's a role that's seen her make a huge difference and find a voice, putting her own experiences front and centre and sharing her insights and learnings and views with government ministers and even the Duchess of Cornwall. And now she's back on our screens, having graduated from contestant to host, she's at the helm of Love in the Flesh, a new BBC Three dating show which brings five couples who've been dating online together in the real world for the very first time. Really looking forward to talking to her. So let's dial her up. It's Zara McDermott. Good afternoon, good evening. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. That was a great intro. Thanks. Was it all true? Uh, yeah, but I've never really listed it out like that before. And I was like, wow, I'm quite impressed with myself. Oh, that's nice, Sarah. Because that's how I see you as having researched you. Oh. Um, 
And and actually, I you know, the more I read, the more I want to keep adding because you've become in, inordinately busy, but impressively impactful alongside it in all that you do. And I love the fact that you have the ability to make me think and laugh almost in the same breath. And that that's that's a brilliant combination. Oh, thanks. That's so lovely. I mean, it's been a it's been a real whirlwind of a few years for me. I mean, I did Love Island like four years ago now, so yeah. it doesn't feel like that. It feels it almost feels like it was a lifetime ago and yesterday at the same time. Really weird. But um yeah, it's been an absolute whirlwind of a few years and I think that, you know, I've faced a lot of like a lot of challenges, a lot of you know, I've battled yeah. the misconceptions and the stigma of reality TV and said, well, actually, just because I've done this type of television doesn't make me, you know, doesn't put me into a bracket, doesn't make me this type of person, doesn't keep me in a box. Like, I won't I won't allow myself to be kept in a box because of something that I did when I was 21 years old, you know? Totally right. Totally right. And that's what I love about um, the way you have navigated the last four years, because you've just said yourself it felt like a lifetime ago and yet a minute ago clearly looking back at old clips of you you're a very different person back then yeah and you've never apologized for that you've shared all your learnings especially the really difficult ones but you have and you've done it in a way that is um, collaborative with other women who've been there but that has also um, affected change and that's not easy Zara that really isn't and that requires work uh, and not for your own you know you're not doing it to your own ends and means. This is to help others. Yeah, totally. I mean, documentaries are, you know, they, they're they they're liberating. The ones I've done, I mean, slowly now, I would love to take a step more into, I mean, and I am. My next film is going to be about disordered eating that I'm doing with BBC mm. Three. So we just started making that literally the other day. Um, but, you know it came from a almost like blossomed from me sharing a really hard truth that I never thought would be revisited um and it was really really tough to make that film and it took a really long time to make that film and at times you know when you're going over something traumatic that's happened to you it's almost like you know you think I really hope I was I was always thinking I really hope that this does make a difference and you you, you never know how something is going to be received you know I think that from my history from my experience of especially with revenge porn you know I blamed myself a lot and I was scared that I was still going to be blamed by other people and you know what you do get you still do get those people you still do get those people online that say mm -hmm. well if you don't want to be a victim of that you shouldn't have shouldn't have sent it um they're the same people that say if you you know you don't want to be a victim of a sexual assault you shouldn't wear something in particular like I don't yeah. agree with any of those things but at the same time it's almost conditioned into you and it was definitely conditioned into me from when I was in school so sharing that and being really open and vulnerable was was tough but once I overcame that and I started to get a positive response and so many people saying oh my gosh thank you so much you've helped me it like almost liberated me from like the demons yeah. that I had faced as a teenager and you you know you've, you've just called out exactly the right people there but in, in terms of their attitudes being wrong and not yours if you are in a relationship with somebody uh, regardless of your age by the way and you want to share by way of agreement images of yourself or each other with one another there is no expectation that that should be shared publicly. absolutely it's like if you're in a relationship with someone you trust them right you 
you don't when you're in a relationship you don't necessarily see that relationship coming to an end and do you know what even if you're not in a relationship if that's something that you want to do then that's totally down to you it's the person who then goes on to portray that confidence and share that to someone else is when it becomes a breach of your privacy um so yeah I think we really need to change the kind of wording and and the way that it's perceived in society and I do believe that you know as the generations go on and as you know I have children and my children have children I think that I think that society will change and view things differently but I think that there's such a generational difference and misunderstanding between how technology impacts relationships one thing that I think might be helpful to you is you open yourself up as a documentary filmmaker um, but first I'll start with something that, that I hope will sit well in your ears. So earlier this week, I was out making a documentary of, of my own. But my makeup artist, a wonderful woman I've worked with for over a decade now, I was we was going from location to location. And I, she said, oh, you've got coming on the podcast this week. And I said, Zara McDermott. She went, oh my God, you've got to watch her revenge porn documentary. Every parent should watch it. Every parent of teenagers. And she, and she sent me the link. Do you know what I mean? She was that passionate that I must... And I said, don't worry, I'm going to watch it because Zara's coming on the show. And she's absolutely right. She's discovered it as a parent, yeah. full of these concerns, and then sat down and shared it with the teenagers. So your work, your, and I know that you really went there on camera and you shared a lot of very difficult, deep emotional responses to your own situation. That's really helped. And also, well, I, I, I believe that people... I believe that we're moving out of a of an age where people want to look at people's idyllic lives on especially on social media and on the TV like people actually want yeah. to see genuine real relatable situations and 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 actually they're starting to want rather than using TV as a means of escape they're starting to use TV as a means to educate I think Thank people you. are becoming a lot more receptive to to things like that um, I think yeah. five years ago, it was all about, it's so weird how social media as well changes. It was all about how you look and aesthetics. And sometimes it still is, but I think people are be- becoming so much more open to using, especially social media to learn um, and to yeah. understand things. And I think that's brilliant because it means that there's so many more people open to listening. Yeah, but also I think it's because people like you are there um, doing both of those things, right? You can look amazing in an image and that be okay, but you can equally and very articulately challenge narratives and explore them. And you do that really well, Zara. And I think that's, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crash into my first question with you on that because it's about um, turning expectations uh, people have of you on their head. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. I think something a lot of people would be surprised to know about you is that before you joined Love Island, worked for the government as a civil servant in a variety of roles in the Department of Energy and Climate Change and in the Department of Education. But what I wanted to know is what else would people be surprised to know about you? And when else have you surpassed other people's expectations of you or felt that they've woefully underestimated you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that comes back to what I was talking about, really, about... um, I think reality television, and I think people don't see it for what it is, right? I was a 21-year-old girl. I 
I also, you know, I, to be honest, reality TV was not, I love reality TV, I always have, but I never thought I was the kind of person who'd be able to go on it because I'm not the loudest person in the room. I'm not the most outspoken person. And maybe people would be surprised at that about me. Like I'm not, I'm not very good in big groups of people. I'm quite withdrawn and shy. And some people think that my boyfriend's always like, come on, Sarah, say something. But I get very overwhelmed by a lot of people and I'm not the biggest talker. So it's actually interesting when you see me in like the work environment, when I'm doing my presenting, when I'm doing um, Love in the Flesh, I look like the most confident girl and the most outspoken person who can just do anything. But actually all of the time I'm battling with this like inner actual me, who's like actually, as I say, not the loudest person, I'm not an extrovert, quite an introvert. Um, and I am all of those things. And also, you know, trying to, you know, trying to actually change for the better in a way, be more confident yeah. in myself, be more outspoken. Don't be afraid to say yes to everything. Say no to things if you don't feel comfortable. And I've always been the opposite of that. So I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm learning and growing into that. And I think maybe people on social media think that that's me all the time, but it's just not that it's just a, a part of me that I'm trying to work on, I guess. But I also think that, you know, reality television this is what I was coming back to from before. Reality television, I think you're always put in a bracket. You know, as I say, I was 21 years old when I went on it. I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it, don't want to do it, don't want to do it. And then in the end, my friends and family were like, come on, Laura, it's an opportunity. Take this opportunity. Don't say no. You can always go back to working in government if you want to. Like, at some point in your life, you've got the rest of your life to do all of that stuff. Why don't you take this opportunity now and see where it leads you? So I said yes to it and I threw myself in the deep end so much. And I think that when, when I came off, I didn't realize how much of a box I'd be put in. Like I was just put in a box with every single other person who's ever done reality TV ever. And people automatically assume you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no self-awareness. Like people assume all of these things about you that it's actually quite hurtful because you think but i i'm not i'm not all of those things and you know to be honest it's quite damaging people, isn't it yeah it's, it's, most people because, on reality tv aren't all those things either so. no but i think you become defined by the edit and the thing that used yeah. to um, always trouble me is the fact that you're going to go on and you're going to give 24 7 of yourself on camera and then somebody that's never met you is going to edit that together and take pieces of that to tell a wider story which, you know, they're not doing anything wrong in that. It's just how much of you is really being represented and how much of you is being kind of involved in that decision to, as to how you're being represented. The answer is, well, actually very little. What my worry was almost always with reality television is that if you're not emotionally uh, equipped to deal with the fallout of how you've been edited, you, you can come sometimes become defined by that edit. You become the person that they created in the edit for you. I think totally, to be honest, like I know for me that wasn't really the case. Like I was very, I mean, to be honest, when I went into the show, I assumed that every move I made was gonna be on TV. I just thought like, I'm here I am making scrambled eggs for breakfast. This is going to be on TV. Oh, I'm going to go and like talk to this guy. That's going to be on TV. Like, I thought that everything was going to be on TV. So when I got out and I watched it, I was like, oh my God. Hey, not everything I did that day was on TV. And I was so confused because I was so naive and I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that that was even a thing. I thought they just showed everything. But obviously they've got to make 
I can't. can't 24 hours into yeah. 45 minutes. Like, it's not possible. But I didn't even think about it. So, totally, it's, it's, it was definitely a massive learning curve for me, for sure. Gone are the days that we should always put people in into a box because everybody's different. Everybody has their own story. Um, and I, and it, it, I was really gutted when I came out and I saw... And I felt a narrative, you know, and and you still feel you do you still do feel that narrative. Like some of the messages I get, it's do like, you? oh my god, you're so stupid. I'm like, no, I'm just not. I'm just not. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Just, it gets to the point where you just I, I don't even take any notice anymore. Um, yeah, it's just got to that point now, and I'm grateful to be at that place, but it's taken a long time to get there. Yeah, and also it depends what mood you're in that day, right? Because some days yeah. a comment like that might really get to you, and other days you just think, "I pity the fool that wrote that," because yeah. it never occurred to me to write to anybody I've never met and tell them on their their wall mm. that they're stupid. Right? Yeah, I mean, Same. who does that? You've got to be really kind of messed up in the head to think that's an okay thing to do. But also, one thing that I always think is like. We're all human. It's okay to think, oh, I don't like her dress. Oh, I don't like how she said that. It's totally okay to think that. Don't have to say it. You wouldn't cross the street, would you, to tap somebody on the shoulder and just say, by the way, you look terrible. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's you wouldn't. what I find hilarious. But it's the same thing. I know. People don't think it is, though, do they? Because there's no accountability. Yeah, there is. But... That has to change with social media. That has mm -hmm. to change. There has to be accountability. But when we talk about exceeding other people's expectations, what about exceeding your own? How do you feel when you find yourself in a room with, you know, the Duchess of Cornwall and a, a room full of brilliant, brave campaigning activists who are all there to be celebrated for their contribution? Like, and you go, hang on a minute, I'm not even 30. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I sometimes I'm like, how the hell did this happen? Why, why am I here? I almost feel out of place. Um, and I think that, to be quite honest, over over the years, and coming back to what we were talking about before, I think there's been a lot of people online who've made or tried to make me feel like I don't deserve it. And, you know, there's been people who've tried to make me feel like I'm not the right person to be in the position that I'm in. Um, and then those moments when something like that does happen, you and you get, you know, you get a personal like thank you from the Duchess of Cornwall for like mm. the work that you've done. That makes it all like, it makes it all just, all those horrible kind of thoughts that I sometimes have in my head just disappear. And I'm like, no, I should be proud of myself. And like, I don't normally ever get that where I sit down. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. But I don't, I don't do that enough. And I should do it more. And it's something that I need to work on myself. Is like I don't, I don't sit there sometimes, and then I'm like, oh my god, this is like, I'm so proud of myself because I feel like I still have so much more to do. Yeah, you're really just beginning. Yeah, you really, yeah. Are, so, you really, you're really at the foothills of like where you can go. My kind of vision for the next few years for me is starting to step away from making documentaries about what I've experienced and starting to make documentaries about things that are going on around me. Not necessarily things that I've experienced, but things that I wanna understand more. So my next film is gonna be Disordered Eating, um, as something similar to what you were talking about mm. earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been wanting to make this film for a, at least a year now. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to making it because this is, this is something that 
affects so many young people but some and something that i've seen but not something that i've necessarily been like i experience i have i have an eating disorder i have a, a so you you don't consider yourself to have disordered eating you're just fascinated no. by the subject matter But but if you're going to keep making documentaries, you're going to have to step out of scenarios that aren't personally your own experience. Exactly, absolutely. And it's related to me in a way because also like my social media, I'm very aware, like can sometimes look very glamorous and all of those things. So for me, it's really important to also address like how how have I potentially, you know, have I, am I part of the problem as well? Like, so it kind of does relate to me, mm. but I want to understand more about this topic and I, I want to move away from, yeah, there's only so many docu- documentaries you can make about your own experiences. And then there comes a point where you have to say, right, I want to, there's, there's other, there's so many other issues that are affecting young people. All of my films have been shown in schools. To me, I want to make like a really big um, list of, of films that can be shown in schools to educate young people like that's my kind of vision I'm going to have a collection of several different films so that when teachers are in PSHE and they want to talk to their kids about something that's quite difficult or if you're a parent and you're like god I need to have this conversation with my child right Zara McDermott on iPlayer let's look at rape culture disordered eating xyz you know that's my vision for myself as like where I want to go um, and do you know what maybe you needed to start with subject matters that you could talk about hand to give you the confidence to understand how to hold a narrative to tell a story yeah you know in an age of reality tv or instagram and igtv lives or whatever um i think sometimes we think that if we just open our mouths and talk that qualifies as content and actually great content is great storytelling and that's a skill absolutely and that's a craft planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Love in the flesh. 
your new show is all about a group of people yes. who first met online. And oh my gosh, some of them have been talking online for years. But you then bring yeah. their relationships into the real world and they're meeting for the first time on camera. And there's proper cringe moments, I've got to say. It's a bit like, oh my God. You know, that, yeah, that, no, that, some of them are oh, like, oh, God. <laughs> no, no wonder you've never met in real life. I know. Okay, but I wanted to know from you, when have you had a meaningful connection with another person, despite possibly never having met them? You know, it might be somebody that you just, just have an online relationship with, but they've made a difference to you, or they've accelerated, um, uh, you know, your your own position, helped you, added value. I can't, I can't lie. Every single person who has had a meaningful, well, there are some people, but I can't give you exact people because they are people from my social media. But mostly everyone who would have who's made a meaningful impact on my life, um, I've met or I've gone on to meet because they have made an impact. Oh, on great! My life. So, so how did um, how did those relationships start then? Online DMs, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, I I would say that, and it's really interesting that. I'd say the people that make the have made the biggest impact on me are people who I've met on social media and have sent me messages about, you know, their experiences and, and how I my documentaries and films may have helped. Um and then, you know, it's so crazy because you'll be speaking to someone and then I'll be walking like the other day I was walking down Oxford Street and this girl was like, Oh hi, like we spoke on Instagram last year about my my uh, revenge porn experience and you really helped me and you told me where to go and what to do and like just want to say thank you so they're the people that like I would say they're, they're, they're like the online connections that have really made a difference to me yeah I would say yeah because sometimes I suppose you know we feel that it's certainly in your um, experiences I would imagine that you, you you share a lot and you give a lot but you don't necessarily ever have a way of measuring the value of that for other people until you have uh, a situation yeah. like that yeah. Totally. That's exactly how I would. Yeah, you've put it very eloquently. Yeah, you don't actually. There's no way of under. You can't truly understand. Like you can see. Oh, okay. It's number three on BBC iPlayer, but like, that just means that it's number three, like on a website. But like, how is a pe people are actually watching it? Like, it's quite a hard thing to get in your head that people are actually sat at home in front of their TV watching it and thousands of people at any one time are doing that mm. and it's like really hard so like some people can be like oh my god it's doing so well like you know or your documentaries have been shown in so many schools but like until someone actually comes up to you and says this is what impact it's had it's sometimes hard to like get it and really understand mm. that the people who've really made a strong impact on my my life and I've had a really strong I guess connection with would be people that I would make it my mission to go and make sure I meet them and make sure I talk to them you know people who have who I've come across at work you know spoken to online for a while at work and they've actually been amazing and really helped me and really like helped develop me especially like I genuinely would say like my my BBC family um my my kind of family at BBC three you know we started working together during lockdown, during COVID. Mm. Um, none of us had met. I don't think any of us had really even Zoomed. I think we were just emails and all of that stuff. And I really realized how much, you know, that my amazing team at BBC were rooting for me and really believed in, you know, my storytelling and my documentaries and the impact of that. 
And as soon as COVID was done, I was like, we all have to meet. So I would say they're the first people that spring to mind really who I've like made a connection with, but because of work, I guess. But then I've, I've had to meet them. Like I, I couldn't keep that relationship just on email. <laughs> no way. Well, I think that's good. That's really interesting because actually they're the people that have significantly changed your narrative, right? Because totally. they've enabled you to tell really powerful stories. Um, and nobody would have given you that chance unless they really thought you could do it. And there is something about you, Zara. I sat down to watch Love in the Flesh and I'd seen you. I'd follow you on Instagram and I follow Sam. <laughs> um, but when I actually saw you host, part of me was like, because I know it's a job, right? T television presenting is a job and not everybody can do it. And there is this kind of, in recent years, you know, this evolution of people coming from contestant to host on reality shows. And you think, oh, this could be, you know, this could be really awkward. You're great. You've got something. Oh, thank you. you thank you so much. I actually mean so much. No, you, you've got it. I watch you and I don't... Um, when I'm watching the screen and you're there, I'm not looking at anybody else. That's very powerful. And you, wow. you don't overplay it. You don't overcook it. You're interested in everybody that you're talking to. You're a real natural Zara and I can't wait to see what else oh, you do. Oh, thank you. Do you know what? that? So Love in the Flesh, is, I've really not been able to speak about how we made it and everything, mm. but... So that, and you'll understand this, and I think it's really important that I say it because people don't really understand how these shows are made. But when I went out there, um, I'd never used auto cue, which is really important. And I'd never had a, an earpiece in. So I didn't know that so many presenters have earpieces yeah. in, someone telling them what to say. So for my big set pieces, my director was like, I believe you can do this. Mm -hmm. No auto cue and no one in your ear. We're gonna do this and you're gonna, we're gonna write this script and you're gonna deliver it as you. And I was like, oh my God, I was so panicked. I'd never presented something like this before. Mm. And also I had almost a safety net of auto cue of someone in my ear. I didn't have that for a lot of the show. For some of it I did, but for, for, for the big pieces I didn't. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous mm. because it, I, it was just like, they were like, my director was like, you will thank me so much when we when this finishes because this is gonna be a baptism of fire and you're gonna you're gonna smash it. This is gonna be hard, but you're gonna do it. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And I look at myself and I'm like, I knew I know how nervous I was doing mm. that. And my mum was watching it the other day. I've shown her all the episodes and she was like, You don't look nervous at all. But it's good that my mum can sense can't even sense that I'm nervous. So I did a good job at like hiding how well, scared. And I was. also, you know, I think I think that director gave you one of the best pieces of, of pieces of advice. Be a part of writing the script because that's then you mm -hmm. own it, it's your voice. And and make totally. sure you've got something to say. Like and and uh, Absolutely. And never say too much. That's the other thing. It's like take a script and then half it. And then it's in the right, then it's the right duration. That would be my Absolutely. experience. But the, the auto cue is a real skill. And actually, once you've cracked it, it becomes a crutch, which is lovely. But until you crack it, it's quite daunting. The earpiece is next level, depending on whether or not you work on open talk back or switch. Um, and when you're on open talk back, you can hear the entire gallery whilst you're trying to have a one-on-one. -on -one interview or exchange with oh somebody God, i don't know how i had a bit a little bit of that but not like not loads most of the stuff i did was just me just me yeah, and like great. learning small parts of scripts and kind of ad-libbing where i could honestly. but you know what if 
if you was, were straight straight off the bat at home with it and, and easy with it, you'd be weird because it's a bit like trying to talk as we are now, but whilst tapping your head and rubbing your tummy in a circular, it's like, because you're doing effectively three things at once, as I am right now. But, you know, yeah, so I could be talking are. to you right now, but in, you know, when I used to do big shows like X Factor, and if you're working on open, you can hear all the cameras being called, that's 13 cameras, plus the vision oh mixer, plus the producer... And then the director constantly talking. So it's a lot. But you you learn you learn to tune in and tune out when it's weird, but it takes time. And so you just give yourself yeah. time to, to become comfortable <laughs> with that. But trust me, you're really good. And keep going, Zara. Oh, thank you. Really, you know. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Really does. No, you're, you're absolutely smashing it. Now tell me about some of these couples, because... I think some of the moments you had to navigate were really quite awkward. I mean, there were ones where the first one in episode one, the first couple get off the boat and they meet each other and you're like, ah, this is going to go well. Love this. This is, this is lovely. Two couples later, it was mega orcs. Oh my gosh. I know. I think, to be honest, I think that everyone was expecting a fairy tale moment. Um, And I was expecting a fairy tale moment from everyone. And do you know that there's that, um, the statistic isn't there it's like you make your mind up about someone how attracted you are or how much you like them in like six seconds or something ridiculous and it really does exemplify that yeah. in this show like you can tell who's connected and who's not connected within the first five seconds of them seeing yeah. each other like you as a person you watch it and you're like they're gonna work they're not gonna work and do you know what you might be right about some you might be wrong about some I can't say, but you kind of know who's got that initial spark, who's got that initial attraction. Um, especially, so Brandon and Hannah, when they first met, oh my God, I remember just being sat there like, I would love to see Brandon when he actually liked someone. I think the problem was, you know, with with Hannah is that he, he, just, he, didn't he didn't fancy her. He didn't fancy her. No, he didn't. He didn't fancy her from, the, from day one. She's a stunning girl, but I just don't think they... They, I don't think she was necessarily his 100% type. But I, what I love so much about the show is it really captures this, like, online dating. You know, she was initially so excited. You know, we have all these amazing conversations and we, we have quite deep in intellectual conversations and, and, you know, we talk all the time and and, and made it out to be this thing. And then you, you, and you really believe it as a viewer. You're like, oh, okay, right. Then hopefully this is going to go well then because they seem very connected. And then you see them. And that was her reality. Her reality was that version of Brandon. And then they met and everything that she knew about him or thought she knew about him was Gone. swept away. And, and also yeah. his poker face was not great. You could tell that he was not feeling her. <laughs> She's such a sweet girl. She's such a sweet girl. But unfortunately, not every relationship works mm. out. And, and you know, it, it really does show that you can't ever, you, you can't ever kind of, Put all your place all your bets on someone no. that you've met online because they can be so different and it's also not just about how they speak how they converse like you can talk to someone on the phone you can facetime and you can kind of get a, a sense of understanding about who they are but actually it's about how they carry themselves how what are their mannerisms mm-hmm. you know there's so much you can't tell from FaceTime. Oh, God, yeah. And I think that this example really like exemplified that. It was that. interesting though, because seemingly the sort of, you know, the common thread between the group was that these are a bunch of people that felt far more comfortable um, having a relationship from a very long distance than they did bringing it into yeah. the real world. 
that it was easier to yeah. say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with somebody and we talk all the time and you send glamorous pictures to each other, but you never connect the human dots. But do you know what else I've really, I, and I noticed it just by walking in there, is that there wasn't this sense of like, I need to do everything I can to impress that person. There wasn't, there wasn't as much of that as I was thinking. Like there wasn't like, when you naturally meet someone for the first time, you're on your best behavior. You're trying to be the best version of yourself. You know, would you like a drink? Would you like something to eat? Like, oh, being very hands-on, very affectionate, very physical. I felt like with these guys, because they already knew each other, that part just skipped and all was replaced with their online connection. And I felt like quite quickly, some of them got yeah. crazy. Yeah, they did. Because, and they didn't feel like they needed to put the effort in because they feel like that person already know they already know me, they already like me, it's fine. But, but that good. might explain why fundamentally most of their relationships exist in cyberspace. Absolutely, because they, they maybe they don't have yeah. the capacity to invest at that point in their life to another person in a in a more physical way. I just find the whole thing so interesting. Like it's all about kind of human behavior. It's essentially a social yeah. experiment, right? It's human behavior. Like how do we behave now we've got all these other distractions that we never had 50 yeah. years ago? Like how has it changed the dating oh. landscape? And this show really exemplifies that and really just takes a hold of that. Um, in a really yes. beautiful way, and that's why I'm a massive, obviously, massive fan of the show. But <laughs> you better be. <laughs> You're allowed to be. It's yours. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for your final question? You met Sam for the first time in a club um, way before you went on Love Island, before you even knew who he was, and. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't really, you were in the same room on the same night, but you didn't, your paths didn't cross until many years later, I think it was, wasn't it? When you finally got it together. So I wondered when else um, has someone or something even had to cross your path more than once in order to get your attention? I actually love this question because my answer to that is genuinely never. Ah. Only Sam. It's the only like good example of that, but never because I always want to be that person and that I always think of myself when I'm old and grey and in my probably in my care home. I want to lay on my bed and think I never said no to anything and I never let anything slide past me without realizing, without noticing. Like I will always, I will always be present. I will always notice everything. And I have always noticed everything and I have always said yes. Even at times where I was scared or I was nervous or I didn't think I could do it, I've always said yes. So the answer to that question is only Sam is the only time I feel that's like that's really... ever happened. Genuinely. Well, that's quite, that's quite meaningful though because he's pretty significant in your life now, isn't he? He is, yes. He is just downstairs somewhere. I told him to pop up, but I think he's on the sofa curled up a bit ill. <laughs> yeah, Sam's not very well. You had to you had to take him to hospital the day yesterday. Yeah, um, the day before recording, and he had to have a pretty brutal um, procedure. Yeah, he's not stopped talking about. You know what it is with men. He keeps going to me. I've had surgery. 
I was like, no, you haven't. You had a like a biopsy taken. He's like, I've had <laughs> surgery, Sarah. Give me attention. Do you know what? Though? You two on Instagram are funny. I mean, Sam's a funny guy. And again, in terms of sort of shifting people's perceptions of you, I look forward to your posts because they are hilarious, especially when he's trying to get a reaction from you. And you just don't really go there some days. Oh, and you know what? It's like... Um... You know what they say with children, if you don't want them to do it again, don't yeah. give them any reaction. Like, just, just like, don't take any notice. That's like him. That's what I do. I, I took that, um, I took that advice so from you my just ignore it. But you are very, <laughs> but he, he has Sometimes. this passionate love for you and also for Pete Wicks, again, who's been on this show. And Pete has exactly the same tactics as you. Just ignore yep. him, don't give him oxygen. <laughs> I love Pete so much. I get on so well with Pete. He's, he's brilliant. I love him. But yeah, it's so funny. I love the days where Pete comes over and sat and Pete sounds like, come over, Pete, come over, please come over. And he's like, it takes genuinely him weeks and weeks of begging Pete to come over. And he's like, I don't want to come over because I know you're going to make do something stupid. Are you going to do something on me? It's like, no, I promise I won't. Please, 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 please. Sam's almost got to the point where he's starting to have to pay him to come. <laughs> So Pete now will come and he'll just be sat there on the sofa, honestly, face like a smacked ass, will not want to get involved. So I'm like, come on, please do a dance with me. He's like, no, leave me alone. <laughs> it's so funny. And I love the days where he's round and I'm like at home a bit so I can watch what's going on with my own eyes. Because I just sit there and I'm just in fits of laughter, like of laughter there's been times where Sam's like can you quickly just like film something low key just so Pete doesn't notice I'm going to do something on him and I'm filming and I'm already <laughs> laughing before I'm filming and I'm like you can't even use this because I'm like behind the, the shots all shaking they are a very good comedy duo as are you and Sam though and I think you know if you can laugh together as you two do. I never thought I was funny oh, you're funny I never thought I never thought I was I thought I was I thought I was quite boring but Sam's brought out a funnier side of me, I must say. Yeah. And also, something he's taught me, which is really, do you know what? It's really weird. Actually, do you know what? I kind of do have a semi-answer to, to your question. Okay. A semi-answer. So, when I was younger, I always used to want to go out with a guy who was, like, really posy, took himself seriously. One of those guys that are constantly posting gym photos on Instagram, like, really takes himself so seriously. And... It was really interesting because I dated a guy just before Sam and it didn't work out. But one thing I took away from him was that I, because he was this other guy, he was just not my type at all. And I, we got on, but there was something I liked about him and I realized I liked in a person. I really liked the fact that he didn't take himself too seriously. He was really funny. And then when I met Sam, I was like, oh, he's good looking, he's funny. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's my type. Like, I like blonde guys. He's so totally my type. And, you know, everything. And he likes me. And I was like, oh my God, the stars just align with this guy because he was everything that I, I'd wanted in a person. And he just came along and it was great. So that's something where something's crossed myself, like my person twice for me to take notice, I would there say. Yeah. And so when you went, when you, so you, obviously you've been in the same nightclub as Sam. You posted a picture of yourself on that night. Yeah. And it's always lovely when, but when you're kind of, you know, wrapped up in the, the love and security of a long-term relationship to go, oh, and we didn't know, but I was in the same room as him as that yeah. night, breathing the same air, but 
you know, our paths didn't, our paths didn't cross. How did you um, instigate the relationship? Was it you that slid into his DMs? Well, he followed me on Instagram, was liking all my photos, like all of them. And then one of my friends was like, you know, Sam Thompson's like, I follow him and he's like, liked all of your photos and he follows you and everything. Like, have you thought about messaging him? Cause he's like, he's your type of guy. Like, um, he's really good looking. He's your, like, he's just the kind of guy I would go for looks wise before. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Have, I've obviously very briefly met him once, but he probably wouldn't even remember. And I just thought, you know what? He's clearly like, Maybe he's not messaging me, I don't know. So I just replied to one of his Instagram stories with a laughing face. Very, very easy. Very good tactic. Yeah, that is. That's low level. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> low level. And you could always be like, do you know what? Sorry, that was a mistake. Or, oh, I just found your Instagram story funny. Like, You're funny. Come You're on a funny to you. guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. That's really good. And then how, how did he respond? Because he's like, I guess, oh. let me guess, like Tigger. That was like opening the floodgates. Exactly. Yeah. Tigger that, bounced yeah. through the door, starts licking your face. Yeah. He started sending me really weird chat up lines, asked me if I wanted to play Scrabble, <laughs> asked me, uh, honestly, it was, it was really funny. Um, but yeah, that was like opening the floodgates and he was like, Poof. it was like the, the in he wanted. <laughs> you know, Sam's mum's been on the podcast, don't you? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love Karen. She's so great. She is wonderful. And I didn't realise, uh, because, you know, I obviously I, I see all your stories uh, and your posts. I thought when you said you guys were getting your first house together, I thought you were staying with her while you did your house up, right? We did for a bit. But then I'm, I'm following and following. I'm thinking, I almost, I almost messaged her the other day to say, where are your floors from? Because I'm renovating my house. And I, and I was like, oh, no, they're your floors. You, Zara and Sam, have got yourself... The most incredible, I mean, you've done this house up so beautifully, Zara. Oh, thank you. And I just didn't think that a couple so young could have A, such incredible taste, and B, that, you know, the desire to want to build, almost renovate a house from the ground up. But you live next door to Sam's sister, Louise, and her partner and their baby. Yeah, so we're, we, we're all a bit of a, I mean, and also Karen lives across the road. No. So we're all... So Karen lives two, well, two roads behind us she lives. So she's like a three minute walk away, which is lovely. So yeah, we were all like, we're all very close. We see each other. Literally, I see Louise and Ryan every day. Oh, it's nice. So you've got this family unit that, I mean, most people wouldn't go and move and buy a house that's sort of three minutes from their potential mother-in-law and right next door to their boyfriend's sister. Yeah, but do you know what? This... It's just so lovely. Like we're so lucky, genuinely. Like if I if I need something, if I'm locked out, if I'm like God, I don't yeah. have any sugar. If I'm like, I just want some company. I'm a bit bored. I just knock, knock on the door um, and just, just go get in. away from Sam for a bit. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> Louise is always like, if you want to come and get away, you can get away. Um, so yeah, and and I and I am I am incredibly lucky to have them. Just next door, literally, our houses join. Mm. To the point where the other day, me and Sam were playing. Sam was playing some music, cooking some dinner, and Ryan texted him going, I can hear your speakers. <laughs> so you've got to think about these things. You've got to be very respectful neighbours, obviously. But you, you guys, I mean, like your renovations, so you've got your own separate Instagram account. What's it called for the yes. house? It's called The Thompson Project. The Thompson Project. And seriously, you have incredible taste. I mean... Thank the you. The bath is very sexy, but not quite as sexy as your marble island. Wow. 
One whole that piece of marble. I mean, literally, I've stalked your, your your interiors. I do it every day on myself as well because I just love everything <laughs> so much. But the marble, oh my god, it's a thing it of is beauty. Just, but I don't let anyone go near it. Do you not? I'm like, don't put your drink on that. <laughs> It's the most unpractical thing I've ever got, but worth it because it's, it's lovely to look at. But how's it been trying to fuse two tastes into one and the stresses hard. of renovating a house, right? Yeah, hard. Hard. Yeah. Well, that, I must say, so so we actually, worst thing ever, so we ripped the whole house out, right? So we had basically floorboards, no ceilings, nothing. And we were like, right, we're going to stay in this house for as long as we can because Louise and Ryan also were renovating their house. We did it to, like at the same time. And they lived with Sam's mum at the time. So we were all going to move into Sam's mum together. But we were like, it's just going to be a very cramped house. Let's just try and keep it as long as possible. Then we get COVID the day the house has been ripped out. So we're sleeping on a mattress on the floor for two weeks. Couldn't leave the house. It was horrendous it was horrendous i thought i were gonna i was gonna kill him i had no kitchen no living room no wi-fi nothing nothing just me and him just me and him in one room with a mattress it was horrific and then we moved into this very small studio flat and we had no we and we lived there for about five months we had no space um just literally one room was just the kitchen and you know, I, I completely understand a lot of people, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people live in places like that. Yeah, but they're not living with Sam. They're not living with Sam. No, <laughs> they're not living with a boyfriend who pranks them all day, every day, who sits there and games until God knows what time and shouts, I can't even have a phone call. That was hard. But then the the, the design process, definitely, we, we have very different tastes with things. But what I've learned with Sam, this is something I've learned, is that he needs to see it to like understand my vision. So if I'm like, I want a big mirror here, he'll be like, no, that will look stupid. No, no, no. But I have to actually- Show him a picture. Or just do it. (laughs) And then he's like, did you just, I said I didn't want that. And I'm like, but trust, look how nice it is. And then he'll go, oh yeah, I see what you mean now. So like, I've learned that I kind of have to just, he'll say no to everything because he's just, I don't know why he's like that, but he'll just be like, no, no, that looks silly. No, 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 no to everything. So I just do it and then he gets used to it. That's my tactic. And and, and like, you know, obviously it can suck the, the romance out of a, a relationship pretty quickly when you're living so, in, in yeah. those kind of conditions and making big decisions and you're not getting, you're not agreeing on everything. Plus he's totally pranking you every day for, for the gram. I know, it's just... It, I, I must say, when we moved back in here when it was still like very much a building site because we were like, we can't do the studio flat. There's, there, we can't, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I was like, well, we have to, at least we have like different rooms, even though the rooms have nothing in them. <laughs> at least I can go and ha- at least have a phone call or something. So we moved back in here like when it was pretty much a building site. And yeah, it, it, is, re- it is really testing on your relationship. Yeah. I never realised how hard it would be. Genuinely, I never realize because you've got so many big decisions to make you've got like budgets to think about you've got even things down to the colors of the walls that you might not agree on like how do you come to a decision on that yeah it's really hard isn't it it's really hard yeah and things go wrong things always go and they wrong. Cost things go the budget wrong. has to be almost elastic because it will stretch <laughs> absolutely yeah and it and it's just it was just a massive experience because like, i mean i you know i start we started this renovation i was 24 
So 24 years old to be doing like a four bedroom house full renovation is quite a, it's quite a big thing to do at like quite a young yes. age. And I didn't really know anything about it. So I've learned a lot through the process, I think. Oh, Zara, do you know what? I, I was really looking forward to talking to you. We've never spoken before. I really hope we get to do it again. I love speaking to you. It's so You're fun. great. And please give Sam my very, very best. And and, and to Karen uh, and all the family. I will. But I really will watch with great excitement um, to see where you go and what you decide to do next. The world's your oyster. At the risk of sounding like an old lady, a lovely young woman. Really enjoyed talking to Zara. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. And don't forget you can tune in to Love in the Flesh on BBC3 and catch it on catch up on BBC iPlayer with new episodes weekly from the 23rd of March. And if you fancy hearing more great chat with some stars of reality television, why not dive in to our back catalogue and feast on conversations with Pete Wicks, Zoe Hardman, Toff, Georgia Toffolo, Scarlett Moffat, Jamie Lang, Laura Whitmore, Emma Willis and Giovanna Fletcher, Roman Kemp, or First Dates, Maitre D, Fred Sirius. There's loads there. Fill your boots, kids. My thanks as always to you for lending us your ears and to Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. The show is edited by Eleanor Humphrey and our music, as always, is by Andy Bell, who has new solo material out now. Do check it out alongside his back catalogue with Ride and, of course, Oasis. I'll be back next Friday with more great chat. Until then, take care of that. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.